get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Well, you able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. All right, we're we're Take back two. with with that. That is the intro. Wonderful. Okay, we'll keep it. We'll run with it. Um, yeah, we're back after technical difficulties that I guess nobody will ever find out about. But uh, we're recording this one offline. So for everybody who was trying to get in live for the show, apologies. But uh, hey, we're Sorry back. Sorry, you one person. The one person. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's all right. We're we're back. It's been about a month and a half. Uh, we've missed a decent amount of news for the off season. Um, you know, the the Ducks have had their name come up in in some pretty high fo- profile rumors lately that we're going to get to. Obviously, the Eichel rumors have kind of been the uh, the big one that we've been involved in, and and that's I think something we kind of briefly touched on on the last show we did. Uh, over a month ago now where it was just kind of the beginning of those rumors where the Eichel stuff was starting to come out and I think we had like one or two of the the big names putting it out there that he would be on the move I don't think at that point we had anything official that the Ducks would be involved but now we've got pretty much everybody putting the Ducks right in in the middle of that mix and and honestly you know putting them as one of the front runners (laughs) to be involved in it it's a nice change right it's a bit of a decent change like obviously we've heard the Ducks been involved in, in kind of big deals before obviously this year with Pierre Luc Dubois as well but uh hey man it's it, it's nice to have something to talk about that that isn't how's next season gonna look and who what fourth line are we gonna sign in free agency so it's it's not bad I, I like it sure um <laughs> I mean I don't know I mean it's just like you know uh, I heard a rumor that Ovechkin's looking out oh Anaheim perfect fit I mean everyone wants to come to Anaheim why wouldn't Eichel want to get there and why 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 would Buffalo want to trade Eichel and what do they think they could get in return that Bob Murray as he clutches all his prospects and draft picks wants to give away nothing so I guess if we want to just you know fall asleep into some little like a fantasy like what if and then we just drift off to sleep and it's a fun fantasy but i don't really see any plausible way that the ducks are going to be in this so it's just well let's just make believe for a while and uh that'll distract us from the sad reality that is what this team is right now i think one of the things that's been (laughs) the most interesting for me actually is like i was listening to 31 thoughts no, I think I was listening to the NHL Hockey Podcast, and they were talking about, uh, and Craig Custins mentioned that, you know, Bob Murray is a GM who likes big trades and makes big trades. And, and <laughs> it's so fascinating to me, like, <laughs> you know, well, because, like, yeah, and I think that's, like, you know, the perception here and then, like, the perception out there is very different, you know, and, like, but, like, they've ma- he's made big trades, the problem is, is he does them fairly far apart. He doesn't do a bunch of them in one sitting, right? You know, he traded for Kessler. He traded away Chris Pronger. You know, he traded Freddie Anderson. Like, he, these are trades that of players of significance. I, you know what I mean? I don't know 
like, you know, obviously they're not maybe the types of big trades that everybody would like to see, but I do think there's something to it. And I just think in Anaheim, the fans have felt that there's been such a need for a change at the top of the roster that there is an impatience justifiably so like i you know i'm one of them like i just think it's interesting that like craig customs who like i don't think is an idiot thought like mentioned specifically that like bob murray's always going to be in these because he's that kind of gm and i don't think anybody in anaheim really thinks of him that way i would say he's he's involved like i mean he'll throw his hat in the ring but he is usually over overvalued what he has compared to what he might get and out of all the names you mentioned kessler was the only one we got we're we're trading away most of those names for some you know like i said future considerations draft picks uh prospects anything other than a big name coming back he doesn't like to make those kind of splashes um and if he does it i guess it happens kind of at the trade deadline if he's got a chip to kind of move around um but it's again i mean unless he just goes out of character to get rid of prospects he doesn't like doing it he likes bringing stuff in and then trying to grow it from inside and then you know have it be his legacy moving forward just adding a piece and especially just adding a big piece like that uh, where there's no supporting cast around or imminently coming in, then I just I feel it's it's just like I mean yeah I wish we could get him but what the hell are we sure. gonna surround him with so I I don't know I just don't see him ever bringing in anybody huge he might be involved in some way but so, then he usually just kicks himself out by what he asks for so here's here's the thing that I think is really really interesting like and and I, I don't mean to cut you off that I just think. You know, and I, I know we have stuff we want to talk about. I don't want to completely derail the show, but I do think, given what this off season means, it's a very interesting time. Uh, specifically, I think with Jeff Solomon, uh, Jeff Solomon, John Solomon, which Jeff. one is it? Jeff Solomon, uh, especially with him coming in. Um, I think, I think you know, there are a lot of questions about Murray, and like, I think what you said, Jay, is totally fair as far as you know, like he's kind of losing the better players in those. But, like, the last three years, the narrative around Anaheim has been his reluctance to sell those guys and bring back picks and prospects. And I think you're 100% right, and I think that criticism is 100% right. And I, I just think the narrative around Bob Murray is so crazy because it spans 13 years <laughs> of him being the head of the team. And, like, you know... He's made coaching changes. He's made, you know, he's moved out players that maybe mattered more on an emotional level than on a game level, like Cogliano at the end. But like, you know what? I just, I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting thing that you're saying he doesn't make big trades and he always does this. And it's a hundred percent true, I think. And that the narrative the last two or three years has been, he won't do that at all. And he's refused to you know make any moves at all like i just think i don't know i where are you at on this ed like where how, how do you see like the totality of the murray legacy versus the closeness i guess that we have to it right now i think it depends on what you classify and what those judging big murray trade. yeah classify as a big trade um you know are we sitting here saying the brandon montour trade and andre Casha trade 
were big trades because I think for some people they will say yes because of this you know the status they had in the organization when they were traded like they weren't small deals I'll give them that mm-hmm. uh, personally I don't think Cash and Montour are big trades you know the the last time we really made a big headlining trade was probably for Ryan Kessler I, I, I you know we've been involved in a few or conversations for a few like if we all kind of go back a little bit when Evander Kane was traded at the deadline we were mm-hmm. involved in him when Max Pacioretty was leaving Montreal would you know there were credible sources saying we were involved in in trying to get him over to Anaheim as well Pierre-Luc Dubois like we mentioned earlier in the show was uh, a guy we were actively involved with earlier earlier this year before he went to Winnipeg uh, and and I'm sure there's a few more I'm missing there as well of, of Justin Falk yeah, yeah Justin Falk was was a big offseason one that obviously he ended up going to St. Louis from Carolina so you know there's these guys that we've been you know, rumored to be involved in, and then it's just never happened. And I think that's the issue with a, with a lot of fans. When you ask everybody, you know, what their issue in, is with Murray, a lot of people will kind of state that. Now, you know, trade wise, I would say, you know, there a lot of people will stem their their hate based off the guys he's resigned and the guys he's lost and whatever. But uh, on the trade front, it's always the Ducks have been involved in these big fish and then never reeled one in. And, and never really committed and, and gone for it. And, and then we all see the prices after and say, well, why? Why couldn't we get that done? We don't know the details of why the Ducks didn't end up happening. But it, it kind of feels like that's the way this Eichel trade could go, is I, I don't think Anaheim is comfortable losing Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale, which is understandable, and I wouldn't be comfortable losing them either as, as, as great of a player um, that Jack Eichel is. But this is the where they are in this rebuild. But you know, in in terms of Bob Murray, and, and you know, to again to answer your question, there, I think that's the big thing is is you know, if you, whatever you classify as a big trade. When we look at the big names, you know, guys who could be considered potential all stars in this league, the Ducks have been involved in a few of those discussions, and and nothing's ever happened. And it really hasn't happened since Ryan Kessler. And it, and that's it's a long run to go where you've been involved in some of these discussions and nothing's happened. And and to me, that just means he's just he's overvaluing what he has or what he's willing to pay. And so there's a reason why he got, you know, the, the, the nickname bargain Bob. I mean, he's looking for something where he really can just, just like, all right, there's, there's almost no risk in looking bad here. It's all like, I got it and we didn't give up much. And if it doesn't pan out great, that's the same thing with his signings. You get your heat leads, you get your, you know, $1 million show me contracts. And it seems like, you know, Hey, that's a big thing, but it's just, he's, he's looking for his little risk and, and hopefully a lot of reward. And he's willing to, to stick to that. Um, versus making a big splash. So when anyone comes out and said Bob Murray's always he's always wheeling and dealing and he's always really, you know making these big plays it's like he hasn't made any that's brought anything to us or brought anything to us brought. Brought's a fun word. Brought to us. It's usually the ones that are like, "Hey, we got rid of a big guy because that was killing our contract situation or salary cap and we need young talent. We got to rebuild all this stuff." And then ultimately, you know, we we just don't Name of last time you had someone huge come in and literally the only name that comes to mind before Kessler in a trade or anything is really Shattenkirk. And look at how well that panned out. I mean, just at this point, I just don't know if he can evaluate what he's going to get and what he has as a fair trade. He just thinks he has so much more and he doesn't want to give it up for things that could easily be 
an improvement on the team. I, I think with this one with Eichel, like this is the this has to be the biggest trade the Ducks have been publicly involved in in a very long time in terms of you know just the talent uh, of Jack Eichel. Not many of those guys ever get traded. And when they do, you know, the Ducks usually in the past haven't been kind of in a position where they've been able to go and get that done. This is the first time in a while where, you know, you feel like they, they could get it done. And there's a lot of people that are putting them up there as, as a favorite uh, because of the assets that they have going out to acquire this you know, third overall pick. And we mentioned Zegers and Drysdale, um, you know, a few few other guys in, in the organization that they could potentially move out that aren't you know necessarily past their prime doesn't make sense for for Buffalo, but we'll get into that later. But guys like Raquel and Manson, uh, Fowler, Henrik, you know, guys that could kind of offset the uh, the cap hit that Eichel brings in. But if we're going to talk about you know realism on this, obviously the you know there are credible sources. LeBron, Drager, you know, Friedman have all said the Ducks are in it. But how how realistic do you guys kind of see that that this actually happens in Anaheim? Makes a, a pitch and actually eventually gets Jack Eichel. So wait, real quick. I just want to say something to Jay's point real quick. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. The point about, you know, overvaluing your own guys. I think that's totally dead on, and I do think that's totally fair. But I also think this is one of those (laughs) things where the outcome dictates how you see it. Because we just saw, I believe it's Nick Suzuki uh, put up more points than Max Pacioretty in that series. And that was the trade. Like, it was Nick Suzuki and Thomas Tatar for Max Pacioretty. And now the team that gave up, or the team that got the young asset, is going to the Stanley Cup final. And, like, it's hard not to look at Vegas's struggles down the middle and be like, damn, it might be kind of nice to have a young center like Nick Suzuki, huh? So I just think, you know, like... I definitely would have rather given up Sam Steele in the Max Pacioretty trade because I think that was the holdup, Eddie. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? But by that same token, there is a degree to which it's easier to say that now that we have all seen what Sam Steele is. Exactly. So yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I think, I think Bob Murray definitely overvalues his own stuff, but I do think it's also understandable what the fear is there. And like, I think Eric Stevens mentioned that in his pros and cons of the Eichel trade is if you trade one of these young guys and all of a sudden they fucking flourish in Buffalo, you look like an idiot. One, but then also I think Eichel's trying to do a surgery now. So on top of that, his trade value is already a little suspect to begin with. So when I, so, so like when Ed asked, well, what's the realism there? I mean, for for anybody trying to, you know, for Buffalo, they're going to want top dollar. They're going to want everything they can because they built Eichel as that um, not generational player, but that franchise player that's mm-hmm. going to take them forward, moving on forever, and hopefully his whole career. Uh, but now he's got this horrific injury. He's already kind of mentioned that he's already kind of butting heads with management. So now everyone is sitting, looking back, going like, well, how much am I going to give up for this guy? Mm-hmm. And what am I actually getting in return? Do I get a guy who is unhappy just with where he is? Or is he unhappy all the time? And how deep is this injury where they're arguing over how to treat his injury? And then it becomes, well, what's Buffalo going to give up? 
And Buffalo can sit pretty and go like, listen, we don't have to give this guy up. We have him under contract. And, you know, he's either going to play for us or he's not going to play. And I don't think this is a guy who is just willingly going to sit out to not just to spite Buffalo. So I think they're more in the driver thing and your driver's seat. And they're the ones who are like, listen, if we're not getting top dollar for this, then we're not doing it. And I think GMs like Bob Murray would go, I'm not so sure I'm willing to give up my top assets and top draft picks for a guy who might be injured and we don't know exactly where this is all going. So I, that's why I think Bob Murray's easily going to just, even though it's very nice and it's a big prize fish out there, he's probably going to step back and unless he gets an amazing deal, then he might pull the trigger on it. But I think it's got to be a nice, nice deal for us for him to want to do I it. think ultimately whoever walks away with Eichel here, um, the perception is whoever gets him has won and the Sabres are going to lose this deal. There's rarely a, a chance where you have a guy of that quality who gets traded where you come out of it saying, man, what they got for that guy was great. You know, what uh, what Ottawa got for Eric Carlson was amazing, right? Well, we all came out of that trade, and we said, man, San Jose ripped them off. And they got, and then look how that panned out. Two years right? later. You know, the injury <laughs> problems and, I guess, age to some yep. extent caught up to Eric Carlson. and. You know, the Sharks were bad, and the Sens got Brady Kachuk out of it. And, you know, they, they got a lot out of that deal. Uh, Josh Norris came from that deal. He was great for them this year. You know, the things that, that Ottawa got out of it now, you look at it in hindsight, I think Ottawa won that trade. And and obviously, you know, San Jose is going to have cap issues to deal with, not just because of Carlson's contract, but everything they got there. And and that's the risk you run with a trade like this, with Eichel, and now with the injury going into it like i would not want to be kevin adams and the, the buffalo sabers right now where you're in a situation where you have to trade this guy and the best offer you're going to get is probably not what he's actually worth as a you know a 100 healthy player playing the way he was before you know at his age you're likely not going to get what he's worth but we're not going to be able to fully <laughs> evaluate this trade like any trade for a superstar until you know three or four years down the road when we really see how this injury affects Eichel, how he's doing in his new environment, if he's still with the team he got traded to, and then what those assets ultimately turn out to be. Like, unless you're Buffalo and you're getting well, from Anaheim, for example, one of Zegers or Drysdale, it's it's an immediate loss right now in that trade because you're yeah. not getting a top prospect. And at the end of the day, when the Sabres, I think he does get moved this offseason. I don't think he's in Buffalo to begin the season in October next year. I think they are not going to walk away with a piece like that. I think they're going to get a top draft pick, whether it's third overall from Anaheim or fifth overall from Columbus or you know wherever he ends up going. I think they're going to get another top 10 pick from one of those teams. They're going to get a decent prospect. They're going to get another you know NHL piece to go back to offset the cap hit. I don't think they're going to walk away with a Zegris or a Drysdale or somebody of that stature. Uh, from one of the teams that are interested. And, and we're all going to be talking about the Sabres lost this, but we're going to have to wait and see in three or four <laughs> years down the road how it actually turns out. Good. Two thoughts real quick, and I'll let Steven jump in because I know he's chomping at the bit here. One, um, no way does Buffalo get out of this without looking like a loser. Like, if they keep him and then he plays horrible and Buffalo doesn't succeed, they look like they lost by not trading him. If they trade him, whatever they're going to get is not going to be what he's really worth, like Ed, like you said. So they look like they lost that trade. Uh, second thing real quick, do you guys really think the Ducks will trade the top three pick, one that they've never had since Bobby Ryan, and any number of prospects for that guy? I just don't think 
that's going to happen, my opinion, but I'll let you guys go. Just want to put that out there. Go, Steven. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's so weird. Like, I think the Eric Carlson point is totally fair um, because what you're seeing right there is, you know, you're looking at two franchise-level players who have an injury that is concerning moving forward. With Eric Carlson, we've seen what that is. Now, the difference there, I suppose, is that Eric Carlson was 28, 29 when he left San, uh, when he left Ottawa for San Jose. Jack Eichel's only 24. You know, he'll be 25, I think, at the start of next season. Um, and there are some reports that this surgery, that he, there is, he and his camp are confident, like beyond confident, that if he has this surgery, he will be ready in two months and he will be fully healthy for the rest of his life. Like, this is like a cure, not a... it. So, like, if I'm Kevin Adams, like, I, I don't know where the line is, right? Like, this is a franchise-level player. This is a true blue number one center, heart-quality player. This is a guy who you need to move forward in this league as a competitive franchise. It's also a dude who might never be that dude again because a neck injury isn't a small thing. And as a superstar forward, he's going to get hit. You know what I mean? Like, and I think anytime you, anytime you lose the best player in the trade, you lose the trade. All of the occasions where the winners are the guys who gave up, who got assets is usually because one of two things happened, which is, the superstar player got hurt and was never the same, or there's like a draft pick or a prospect that wildly exceeds expectations. And that's something you don't know for three or four years, you know? So I think you guys are definitely right. Kevin Adams, Kevin Adams can't make this trade based on public perception. He needs to make a trade based on what he knows like about Eichel and he needs to hold the line because I think it's one more year and then Eichel has a no movement clause. Okay. If he can't, if he won't let me trade him wherever I want, but I can't trade him anywhere. He doesn't want to go. Like, you know, I think that's a full stalemate. Like I don't have to trade you and you don't have to let me. So we're basically Mexican standoff, you know? Uh, So I just think, there's there's no world in which wherever he goes, everybody goes, damn, Kevin Adams pulled it off. Good for him. Yeah, I think there's a slim chance. I, I, I honestly think there's a slim chance that that, that happens. And, and it is if he acquires like a, a, a high-end piece right now. Like, you know, again, we're going to keep referring to, to Ducks players because we're a Ducks podcast, so it, it just makes sense. But but like a Turcotte or, you know, or shit, why wouldn't a, a, a Byram or a New Hook be, you know? Yeah. I don't know that they necessarily have the money, but I, is it the worst idea in the world to say, what if we let Gabriel Landeskog walk and traded for Jack Eichel instead? Nope, nope. You can. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of ways you could go about it, but if they, if they walk away with a buyer, if they walk like you know, for example, with LA, if they somehow got Byfield, Turcotte. if they or Turcotte or Ooh, Zegris, I, I think Byfield's a stretch, just like I think Zegris is a bit of a stretch. But if they, that's how you win in this deal because they're guys that are already. <laughs> high-end prospects near the top of the league in terms of, you know, guys uh, in Byfield's case, I guess you could still kind of say just outside the NHL and in Zegers' case, you know, one of the, the top young players in the league. You got to walk away with that. 
in a deal right now for Eichel to be considered a winner. But we look at you know the past and these big deals. We talked about Pacioretty and, and the fact that we thought Vegas stole that one at the time. And you know I still think it's a fair trade. But now you look at what Suzuki's doing in Montreal and the perception is kind of switched. And we all remember the Weber-Suban trade and how why would the Habs mm-hmm. ever do that? Well, <laughs> look where they are now. I mean, again, those are two Habs trades. Uh, but it, it can go the other way as well. I mean, the whole Larson trade is always going to look bad. There's, ne- there's never going to be a, a win there for Edmonton getting Larson over Hall uh, as as much as Hall's uh, draft lottery prowess. I don't know. Been... I don't know because Larson <laughs> scored more playoff goals for Edmonton than Hall did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Hall has uh, what jumped around to three different teams yeah. since since New Jersey. Could be so. more after this offseason if he doesn't resign yeah. in Boston. But yeah, it, Boston, he's yeah. gonna. You'd, he'd rather sign in. Boston for a nickel, yeah. then go anywhere. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's not walking away there. from that. But it, it just shows you, like after the fact, like the perception of the trade will be <laughs> one way to begin with, and then so so many times you you look at it a couple years down the road, and it all hinges in these big deals because if you're trading a guy like Eichel, the thing going the other way most of the time are draft picks and prospects. So you just kind of wait to see how they pan mm-hmm. out. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. That's why we see that perception switch. So. In any trade for Eichel, I think you're you're likely getting one of those top picks in this year's draft back. So you got to wait at least three or four years before that pans out. So if it's a Matty Beniers or if it's a Dylan Genther or William Eklund or whoever it is that would go to the Sabres with that other pick, then you got to wait and see. But ultimately, like, I, I just it, I just feel it has to happen. Like I just feel like there's no way right. Eichel is on the Sabres come the draft. And that's the deadline for them because I think if you miss the draft, you've missed out on that guaranteed pick, which holds so much yep. value. You can't trade him after the draft for a first-round pick from, like, let's say, a Columbus or an Anaheim next year because there's no guarantee that with Eichel, that pick is going to be as high as it was. Then you're going to have to try and get those top prospects. You're more desperate. You're getting closer and closer to his no-movement clause. Trying to get a Zegras or a Byfield or a Turcot, whoever, is going to be harder. The best time for the Sabres to trade him is now, and you can get one of those picks. And I think for them, the smart move is to target one of those picks and you know a mid-level prospect because you've got first overall. Then let's say if you take, get that third overall pick from Anaheim, you got first and third this year. Grab a guy like Jacob Perot. You've got a good base there. You've got two guys coming in this year. You've got Perot. You've got Dylan Cousins. You've got Dallin. You've got maybe Owen Power who's coming in, right? You've, you've got a base you can build around this year that it doesn't look so bleak, even though you, you, you lose Eichel at that point. And there, there's at least a direction there. I think the longer you hold out here trying to get a better and better deal, Ultimately, at the end of the day, and as we've seen with Ottawa holding on to, to Stone and Carlson for as long as they did, you didn't get as good a deal as you probably could, could have got when you should have traded them the first time. And I feel like that's where the Sabres are so, with Eichel right now, is, is they're getting close to that point where you got to trade them now or you're going to get you know less for them the, the longer you hold out. Go, Jay, and then I'm going to make the case for okay. time, so go. <laughs> I, I'd almost disagree a little bit, because even though it's a no-movement clause, and yeah, that, that ends at the end of this season, they can always ask him to waive it. And this is a guy who obviously does not want to stay in Buffalo, and I don't think if he's got an opportunity, because if they're trading him, they're trading him to a contender, a contender that maybe wants him, you know, not necessarily this year, but maybe next year. So even though there's a no-movement clause, if things still aren't working out in Buffalo, he could still get a King's Ransom 
at a playoff deadline punch where you get an impact player going back the other way in Buffalo and possibly more draft picks or prospects moving forward. And once again, that might be somebody who's not necessarily the top team. It's not like Tampa's like, well, we really need Michael, otherwise we're really screwed. It's kind of one of those teams where like, listen, we're, we're right there, but Eichel would just literally bolster us right through the playoffs or hopefully. So I think that because, yeah, everyone kind of tries to, ah, like, oh, dude, they're not going to get it. If they don't do it this year, they're, they're screwed. It's like, well, yeah, there's a no movement clause. So they can't just trade them to Ottawa or trade them to Detroit. But usually that's not the, the team that's looking to get that kind of player. So I feel like if they, from a Buffalo perspective, if they give away the guy that they have been trying to tout as the the guy that's going to bring this team out of the the dump, um, and then we just trade him for guys who might be really good prospects, and then you know future things, we got to rebuild for another three or four years to get to where we hopefully want to be with this guy here, anyways. So I think it's a hard sell for him to want to go like, listen, we're not going to do these these you know nice prospects and draft picks. You know, we don't have to get rid of him. He could still help this team be successful. And if we can find some way to make other moves around with our high draft picks and our high prospects and try and bring in complimentary players, fine. And if it's not working, he's still unhappy here. We'll say, listen, we got a trade coming. We got a real good return for it. Do you want to go to this team? Yeah, it's kind of in his court, but it doesn't seem like at that point, that guy would really, Jack Eichel would really go like, no, 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 they're a contender. I want to stay here in Buffalo. No, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm not waving that. No, I think he would easily go to wherever he wanted to go as long as he's got a chance to win, because I think that's what he's looking for, a chance to win somewhere else. Yeah, I... <laughs> when I know he I have has... a lot of good points. Break it down. When he has the ability to say no, I think it naturally drops the value because it becomes less certain. I think the truth of the matter is, is if you trade Jack Eichel to any team, he's the best player on 25, 27 of 32 teams. Um, I say 26. You know, I like, so, oh, shit. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I just think the no movement clause definitely complicates things. But now I'm just thinking about a bunch of different shit. And like, here's an interesting question. If you're Seattle, do you trade for Jack Eichel? Would you trade the number two pick? Well, it depends. It depends who they get. But I'd imagine they could get anyone at, but, at no. Jack Eichel's caliber. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no one out there. There's not going to be another opportunity for an expansion franchise to add a caliber player right off the bat. Jack Eichel, right off the bat. That's shit, man. If I was Ron Francis, I would be calling Kevin Adams every fucking day. And being like, look, dude, I will let you pick players on other teams that I will take in the expansion draft. I want Jack Eichel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, it's insane. Um, but here's the thing that I think is interesting, and I will try to make Anaheim's case. I, I, I do think Anaheim is legitimately in the conversation. I am scared to think that they will get him. Because it seems possible that they could. Um, so I will make the case for Anaheim here real quick. I think if you're Anaheim, you offer the number three pick. You offer you offer Max Comtois. And I think you offer Lucas Dostal. Buffalo does not, uh, does not have 
a goalie for next year. They do not have a legitimate goalie in the pipeline. I think Linus Olmark was maybe supposed to be that guy, and he pretty clearly isn't at this point. Um, if they get another top 10 pick, there is a there's a really good argument that they should take Wallstead. If you can get a goalie prospect that is highly touted enough to where not taking Wallstead is a good decision and you can get a player like Max Comtois, I think that's huge. I think having a top six winger with 30 goal potential, a potential franchise goalie, and the ability to take two players in the top three of this draft, which is a six-deep draft. You know, because, I mean, you could walk out of there with Lucas Dostal, uh, Max Comtois, Owen Power, and Eklund? Yeah. Mason McTavish? Like, I mean, if Anaheim is willing to draw the line in the sand and say, I will give you just about anything but these two kids, I think they can get the deal done. I would put Perot and Comtois. I would, sh- I would put Terry, uh, Troy Terry's ass in the boot <laughs> of a car. Like anybody, man, anybody that they wanted. I think, other than those two kids, I think you, you have to think is worth it. This so, and I, I think because like Jay said, if they make this trade, it's three years. But they do have Darlene and they do have cousins, like you said. So, if you get you know, Maddie Beniers. If, like, fuck it, what if they took Maddie Beneers number one and they took... You get Owen Power and Maddie Beneers with one and three. You walk away from... You trade Eichel and you walk away with Owen Power and Maddie Beneers. Uh, and, and then you get Maxim Comtois and Lucas Dostal. Let's let's say it's your deal. I mean, that mm-hmm. looks that looks good now. I mean, it you know it all depends on what Owen yeah. Power and Maddie Beneers turn into. You know, you, Owen Power is not part of that trade because you were going to get him anyway. But, you know, Maddie right. Beneers, Maxim Comtois... You know, it, it, it Lucas Dostal, like you're, you've got pieces in place. You've got a good winger, top six, a potential number two center who could be a number one. You've got a one-two punch down the middle of Cousins and Benier. Beniers, that looks scary going forward. you got power on the back end with Dalene. you got Dostal with Uko Pekalukanen as your two, you know, goalie prospects. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm Buffalo, Anaheim is who I'm targeting. That's who I'm looking at. Of all the teams interested, like, you know, New York has a lot of pieces, but I don't know if I want to send them to, to another team in state to get a lot better and be a Stanley Cup contending team. You know, unless you can get Lafreniere or Kako, maybe. You know, Columbus, there's not there's not much to... It's just, That's the same argument I have with Seattle. It's like, yeah, Seattle has second overall. What else do they have? They don't have any prospects. They're a new team. They have... But here's the thing. The one thing I'll say for Seattle is... I, I, I tweeted this out the other night, but I really am curious. Like, how much is Je- uh, Jeff Skinner's contract yeah, worth? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what Seattle Second has. overall Seattle for Eichel and Skinner. <laughs> like, for real. Like, I will take Skinner. I will take Eichel. I will let you. I swear to God, you can pick any three players around the league that are going to be on the uh, ex- uh, expansion list, and I'll give them to you. Like, I am not kidding. Like, I think. So, I think. If you, I think the Rangers and the Kings make the most sense because they have Byfield, Turcotte, mm-hmm. Lafreniere, Kako. You know, you've got this high level of player. I think Anaheim makes sense with Zegras. I think if you accept that a qual a player of that quality, a prospect of that quality, 
isn't going to be in this deal, then I do think that you're right, that it becomes, in my head, with what I'm thinking, it becomes Anaheim and Seattle have the two most attractive options. Because if you're Buffalo and you and part of getting out of Jack Eichel is getting out of the tr- fucking trade and contract you made to keep Jack Eichel, because Jeff Skinner doesn't do Buffalo any good without Jack Eichel. Even with Jack Eichel, Buff Skinner, uh, Jeff Skinner didn't do them a ton yeah. of good. So, like, the ability to get out of that contract and send Jeff Skinner probably someplace that'd be really nice. He might do well like, there. If you told Yeah, he gets a completely fresh start. You know, I just... You know, but like, you know, like we just said a second ago, I do think there is something to... Look, we will give you a prospect pool that on the day you make the trade you walk into a top 10 in prospect pool rankings based simply on the guys that we're giving you, yeah. plus the two guys you're going to take in this draft. I, I think the the most interesting thing about Seattle is how, how like much of a wild card they are to this deal in the sense that they don't even have a team, so they could framework, like yeah, you yep. said, the expansion draft around getting Jack Eichel, where you know the Eichel trade is they get Skinner, and they get Eichel, they give up second overall, and you know maybe they take Merzlikens from Columbus and say, you know, here you go, you can have. There's your starting goaltender. We'll take this guy. You have him. There's a goaltender. Okay, we'll take you know Josh Manson from Anaheim or whoever. You know, here here's this guy. You can have this guy if you want him. You know, just examples. I'm sure there's better picks out there. We take Josh Mahur from Anaheim. You know, have this guy. Now it turns into second overall. We take Jeff Skinner's contract. You get Merzlikens. You get Josh Mahura. You get, you know, some other nice young player we stole from the other team in the expansion draft. And all of a sudden, it mm. becomes, uh, you know, it's a very complicated framework because you've got to, like, basically have constant communication with Kevin Adams throughout the expansion draft to put this team together. You Or you basically have to get the protection list and call Kevin Adams up when you're like selecting players to make this work. Like it's very difficult for them, yeah, but it's no, possible. That's exactly what it And it's be. why it makes it such an interesting wild card scenario where like I honestly think because it's been put out there that Buffalo really wants to get another top five pick, I think Anaheim is at the top of the list. You're sending him to the Western Conference. You don't have to worry about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they might be resigned to the fact that they're not gonna get a Zegris or a Byfield. So that's why they're going for the top pick. I don't think you get a top five pick plus one of those guys. Um, and I don't think you get a byfield from LA anyway. So you go to Anaheim, you can get third overall. You can get Maxim Comtois. You can get another prospect, a Dostal or Perot or something like that. Or you know, you if you go to to LA, you know, maybe you don't get byfield, but you get I think they have ninth overall in Alex Turcott because you don't really need Turcott if you got byfield and Eichel down the middle. And uh, you know, you go for an interesting route there. What the fuck? What? What? What did you just say? <laughs> Listen, I, I think there's only a few teams this makes sense for is basically what I'm saying. I think L.A. and Anaheim are near the top of the list there. I, I don't think Columbus and Lee end, uh, ends up getting it done or being able to get it done even with the fifth You're overall pick. You're talking about Los Angeles giving up Turcotte because they have Byfield. And Eichel. Okay. That, that is very different because I don't know. I, I didn't put that together in my head that way. And so I was like, wait a minute. You, Steven? But they already have Kopitar, which is why <laughs> they, can, they can move on from Turcotte. <laughs> I thought you were spewing 200 hockey men nonsense about, nah, I don't need any more top six centers. Yes, they off Twitter, Stephen, man. It just it, it gets you right to that zone. 
Right, people are just making ridiculous <laughs> statements. And you gotta start arguing right away. But <laughs> all right, all right, we we got it. We've been talking about Eagle forever, which is understandable. So we gotta wrap it up with a few things here. Uh, we at we literally the whole podcast. Yeah, it's almost been forty <laughs> minutes, but. We we talked about if it's realistic. I think we, it it is to some extent whether it happens for Anaheim or not. Jason, you're shaking your head. Don't think it is. I, I think it's more realistic. That's a, that's a, it's a lovely dream. Keep dreaming, yeah. people. I think it's I more realistic dreamers. than a lot of the bigger deals we've been involved in because I think if of all teams, the Ducks are in one of the better positions to make it happen. But it mm. until it happens, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I if I fully believe it. It's, yeah, it's not like Toronto getting out of the first round. Until it happens. I'm not putting a whole lot of faith so, in it. So, if it does happen, <laughs> Stephen, you already put. Uh, is that what you would say is your ideal package? There is come to our third overall, Lucas Dossel, and then somebody to kind of offset the cap, like an Adam Henrique or something. I, yeah, I mean, I think the the actual like if you're really just focusing on offsetting cap, then I think the easy one is uh, Ryan Kessler, because we still have another year of that deal left. Um, and it's insured. I know I bring, I beat this point home, but it is insured. That is not money. That that contract for that cap hit, moving out a ten million dollar cap hit, bringing in one that's almost seven million dollars that only costs you about, I think, under two million in actual cash. That is huge for a team like Buffalo. Um, you know, I think if they ask for Raquel, you give them Raquel. If they ask for Troy Terry. I think, you know, I'm a little more reticent to do that. I would rather probably trade Perot than Terry. Um, but, yeah, I you know, I think, yeah, building it around three Comtois and Dostal is right around where I'm at. Um, so, yeah, I think that would probably be my... Was my I gone game. for this whole Dostal goalie trade? I They're not so. getting rid of Dostal. Honestly, I didn't even think about Got that. And, and all of my kind of trade mock-ups that I've thought about for getting Eichel from Buffalo, that doesn't include Zegers or Drysdale. I haven't even really thought of including Lucas Dostal. But if you're going out to get Eichel, you, you're not... We've I know we've talked about uh, on different shows, and a lot of people have talked about trading John Gibson. If you're getting Eichel, you're not exploring trading John Gibson. Like That's just not happening. You're bringing in no. one to support the other. I think if you yes. bring in Eichel, I have no problem putting Lucas Dostal in that trade. Because if you're bringing in Eichel, it's to be a competitive team sooner rather than later, and then you're riding John Gibson. Who knows how long it's going to take Lucas Dostal to get to the NHL level, whether he's going to continue his good form from the AHL playoffs or not, uh, and from that, the tail end of the regular season. Right, but I think I would rather include Lucas Dostal in this you know, trade you know, than Jacob Perot, just because you know, we're yes, going to need absolutely. a scoring winger in two years more than we're going to need, you know, a backup goaltender to have another Freddie Gibson or another Freddie Gibson scenario with Gibson and Dostal where I'm fine just riding John Gibson and that's it going forward. Like I, I think until the wheels fall yeah. off. I, I mean, that's what you're, that's what you're banking on at that point, right? If you're bringing in Jack Eichel is that John Gibson's your guy. He's on such a nice contract for a goaltender of his caliber right now that if it comes down to, Dostal or Perot. I think those are our, our two top prospects outside of um, Zegers and Drysdale. I'm I'm putting Dostal on that deal. I'm going third overall, Dostal, you know, Henrique, and whoever else they want to take from us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I still if, don't if think if Henrique was here, ends up in this if deal. If I was here, way. he'd agree with you because you only need an average goalie to win championships. You think, are you talking about John Gibson Here's being average? Here's the thing, though. 
Uh, no, no, no. Just saying, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like in like two or three years, if the Ducks are somewhat capable of getting to the playoffs and going deep in the playoffs, Gibson doesn't have to be top top dog. He's just got to be average. Uh, the, the the Ducks aren't going to be Stanley Cup potential uh, competitors. I mean, they might be playoff competitors, but not Stanley Cup favorites or just like in that conversation for another three years that's three years more of Gibson. with eichel though okay like what do you what does that change your perception Add eichel and you don't give up zegris or drysdale that's huge that is so huge like honestly so at year three they are stanley cup no next year next year they are dark horse competitors yeah here's the other thing (laughs) here's the thing you can't (laughs) you can't you have to give up. You have to give to get. And adding the one thing that this team needs more than anything. Another center. It, a high-end center. A legitimate number one center when they might not, have. Not wingers that can score goals. They, they, don't, they don't need wingers that can score goals. Jack Eichel scores goals. And Trevor Zegers looks like he's going to be of a caliber to where he's going to get other guys lots of goals. We'll be great down the middle. I'll give you I, that. If you get your, your Eichels, your Zegris, uh, your uh, Henrique, and your Getzloff, that's an amazing four center. I also don't think if you add Eichel, then that's Kel, the extent of what Sinkberg. you do this offseason. Um, there are plenty of pieces I think they're unhappy with that you can move out, whether it's a Sam Steele uh, or an Isaac Lindstrom or whatever. <laughs> they do another podcast. And you can, you can go out and I think you can add the wingers that you need. Uh, to to a company bringing in Jack Eichel, will they? Will they pay for it? They don't pay in the off season. They don't pay. I think if agents. if you swing Bob for Murphy. a deal, I'm not confident that he swings for the deal for Jack Eichel because we know the history of Bob Murray lately, and it just doesn't happen. I think if you pull that off, you're showing that you're actually willing to make the big move for that, and I just can't imagine that's the only big move you make is going out to get Jack Eichel. Maybe obviously, I'm not saying they're going to go out Here's and trade it. for. You know, a Max Pacioretty or, or a big name winger like that. But there are guys in free agency. There are other guys I think you can go out and get in trades to accompany that, where they're kind of top six, fringe top six or middle six wingers to accompany what you already have. And adding Eichel alone, I think, makes you a playoff contending team. Now, Jay, you're right. It doesn't make the Ducks a Stanley Cup contending team by any means, but, you know, the Montreal Canadiens. Are in the Stanley whoa, Cup whoa, final, whoa, right? Whoa, like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's, here's the, <laughs> next year they are. It's not about. It's not. There's a you got. They do not become Stanley Cup favorites. I don't want it to be like I'm saying that. But what they do become is a team with one of the five best centers in the league, one of the five best goalies in the league, two of the fifteen best prospects in the league. If 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 they don't have to give up Lindholm, they don't have to give up Manson, they don't have to give up Raquel. Like I, I'm not saying that they should be afraid to part part with those players by any means, but if they don't give up any of that, if you bring in Eichel essentially for what Max Comtois cap hit is gonna be this year's pick, Lucas Dostal, and again, I do think the one thing everybody misses is Ryan Kessler's contract. I think that gets in if if the Ducks trade for Eichel, Ryan Kessler is in that deal. Like what? I don't know if Buffalo would. I don't know if they're gonna have a choice. They just don't. They just don't win in that situation. They. It's just I feel like they could do so much better uh, elsewhere. And at worst case scenario, if they don't take it, they still don't lose because they still have an Eichel. (laughs) 
So they, yeah, but if he doesn't want, so that's wanted to mention this earlier, and I completely forgot. Like the the thing to your point, Jay, is it comes down is as if Eichel decides that he won't play for them. Like if he holds out, then he has all the cards, and it doesn't matter what Buffalo does; they're gonna have to either trade him or just uh, let him sit there. If they'll I let him sit there because, in public opinion, because once again, they're they're gonna placate to the fans. And if Eichel's not willing to play, even though he's under contract, Eichel looks like the dick, not Buffalo. Buffalo is like, listen, play. We're not gonna trade you right now. You know, we don't have anything that's coming back our way that replaces you in enough capacity that, that makes sense for this organization. And this is about the organization. Pierre-Luc Dubois just did this. Pierre-Luc Dubois just went out there and played so bad on purpose that they, they traded him. Columbus, who, again, is never getting a free agent. He's not a franchise player. Eichel they is They drafted player. him to be that, though. They would hope he would become that. But I think Eichel was definitely drafted as that. And even though they missed out and they didn't get the number one overall pick— Eichel was there, and Eichel talked about, I'm oh, proud Eichel. to go to Buffalo, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. So this has been built up for that. They brought in Hall just to keep Eichel happy, make this whole thing work, and now it's falling apart. And them just getting rid of him and not getting just a substantial return, they're not going to do that. I just I feel like they would be like, listen, sorry, fans, we effed up for another five years. You know, Hopefully just, five years, everything we get might work out, but who knows now don't think they can bring him back like i definitely agree that like they need to get as much of a return as possible but i don't think there is any way that he can be on that team by the start of next season there's no way that that can happen it's so bad that situation is so toxic like it's just like it was with ryan o'reilly like he's just like i'm not coming back if you're saying that buffalo like is trying not to look like the 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 dicks here in this situation. I like I think already like if you're a Sabres fan, you're not happy with Jack Eichel. You know he wants out. You know he, he, even if he doesn't have to publicly come out and say he wants out of Buffalo, we all know he wants out of Buffalo. Like he is the bad guy in this scenario. Like if Kevin Adams trades Jack Eichel, it's not because you know it, it doesn't look bad on him in the sense that you know, why is he trading Jack Eichel? We all know Jack Eichel wants out of Buffalo. It's no secret that he wants out of Buffalo. So, you know, he you're already in that situation here where Jack Eichel is the bad guy. Whether he sits out the start of the season if he's still there or not, I don't think that changes. So I think the longer you wait, if you're the Sabres, the more desperate you get to move him. And teams mm-hmm. are going to realize that the longer you wait the more desperate it is if you get closer to the season this guy's not playing and he's sitting out games you're now desperately trying to move this guy nobody wants that situation to happen i think they're going to resolve this before the start of the season and like i said I before just like the, just the longer you wait the less the less offers you have on the table because you don't have guaranteed top picks you have teams you think are going to be bad that you hope is going to be a top pick it's not guaranteed. So then you're having to go out and get a Zegras or a Drysdale, mm-hmm. which it looks like most teams aren't willing to offer at this point. I think the best offers you're going so to nice. get are now. And whether they, they do it or not, that's up to Kevin Adams. And that's up to the other teams involved, whether they're willing to pull the trigger or not. But I don't... It just said no one's willing to give up those top prospects. So that's just an assumption. Even if you assuming. put... 
yeah, I was just saying, and then like move forward six months, they're still not all of a sudden going to give you those top prospects. So who the hell cares? Wait till teams are maybe desperate, especially the top teams. Not necessarily that you're going to get great draft picks or prospects out of it, but maybe more impactful players that, hey, these guys were plugging into the lineups. These guys, we can get some sort of But that of doesn't transition. do Buffalo any good, though. Neither does Trey and Jack Eichel. They're, they're screwed. But like I said, they're screwed no matter what. This is the thing, right? If it's... <laughs> If it's Dostal versus Raquel and Manson, like you take the picks, like because a Raquel and a Manson would definitely come in and make the team better, right? Can we trade Montour again to him? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> Sign in. Let's trade. let's move. On. We didn't even talk Kachuk, but I I don't really I didn't really want to get into that because I knew Eichel would kind of dominate the discussion. We've been linked to Matthew Kachuk. There's just been a. Stop. The Kachuk rumors are at the point where we originally talked about the Eichel rumors, where it was like one or two people talking about it, where they're saying that Matthew Kachuk apparently wants out of Calgary, and of course, because we're in on Eichel, everybody's like, "Of course, us. he wants to go to Anaheim." There, I don't think there's any absolute way he comes to in division to Anaheim. Um, I just I don't think that's possible. We'll we'll get into that later if there are more concrete rumors. Um, we're gonna probably have to talk Eichel again at some point, whether it's resolved or not. Uh, on one of the upcoming Here's shows. Here's the question, real quick, real quick, to wrap this okay. up. To wrap this up. Thought we did. Am I the only one who would rather have Kachuk than Eichel? I think so. No, I would I'd rather, rather have Eichel. I'd, rather have... I'd take... Once again, it depends on return. Yeah. Because we're talking trades here. So it depends on return. If the return is equal... Kachuk better. Who would you rather have? If the return is equal, the same return for Eichel or Kachuk. Eichel. Yeah, I'd rather have Eichel. Don't get me wrong. Kachuk, Kachuk's a... Yeah, amazing guy. But I feel I feel like Max Jones is Kachuk light, and so unless Max Jones is the trade back, yeah, I don't know. I just no. It's I just the Ducks would need that extra center moving forward with Getzloff moving out, Henrique. Who knows? Then you got your Zegras and your Eichels. I mean, that's that's one two. That's good. It's one of those scenarios you really can't go wrong. Like I would love Matthew Kachuk. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I lean. Yeah. I just lean towards Jack Eichel. I think. Uh, you know, he's potentially a top five center in this league. Um, and, what you would trade Eichel for, I assume you could get Kachuk for. Yeah. So yeah. I would assume mm-hmm. you could get Kachuk easier than Eichel. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to the, the last little bit of topics here because we're almost pushing an hour. Uh, <laughs> so the Ducks did make some coaching changes, obviously not the ones that we, you know, the high-profile one we thought would happen. Dallas Agins is returning next year. Bob Murray is returning next year. But the assistant coaches are gone or at least not coming back as assistant coaches. There was, uh, I think the Greg Beecham put out that they might have other roles in the organization. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, but Marty Wilford and Mark Morrison are not returning as assistant coaches. The Ducks signed Joff Ward, who was with the Calgary Flames last year, and they signed Mike Stothers, who was last with uh, head coach, I think, of the Ontario Reign in the American Hockey League. So we'll see a bit of a new setup. I know, obviously, Bob Murray came out and said he wanted some veteran guys to be behind the bench with Dallas Akins and you know Mark Morrison really wasn't a veteran NHL guy and, and you know to some extent neither was Marty Wilford uh, other than with the Ducks organization so you bring in two guys who've been around uh, especially Jeff uh, Ward who's been a former head coach in this league I, I think that's going to be good for Dallas Akins how much it actually impacts the Ducks success next year i mean remains to be seen we'll have a new guy running the special teams so that will always be a topic of discussion heading into next year but do any of these guys really 
you know stand out for you. For me, it's you know it's not really a headlining thing. I feel like we knew there was going to be changes, and changes have been made. But I I don't necessarily think I'm excited about how these guys are going to pan out next year. I'm just kind of intrigued on how you know special teams, specifically the power play, is going to be uh, looking different next year. Yeah, that's the only thing I'm caring about is because that power play's got to figure its crap out. Because I mean, at this point. Uh, ever since uh, Paul McClain, the walrus, was in charge of the power play, it's just been dog crap. I mean, it had been dog crap before that. He came in, did it, and it was like, hey, we need you to make the power play good. It became first in the league, and we're looking for a new coach, and it's not you. Thank you. Goodbye. And then he leaves. Uh, and then the power play just goes to crap. Um, so I don't know exactly how great Calgary's power play has been or how the head coach from there is going to come over and all of a sudden make the power play better. But that's all I'm looking at because special teams is the, one of the bigger things besides overall play that has uh, killed us for the last couple of seasons. And if we can add in a couple of power plays and just not be so 30, 31 or 32 in the league, um, I think that's going to be helpful to win at least a couple of games, a handful of games, somewhat respectable moving forward. But the special teams for me is, is probably the biggest thing. And that's kind of what the assistant coaches are in charge of. Maybe a little bit of defense, offense, coordination on five on five. But Jesus, that special teams has got to change. And that's the assistant coach uh, coach's job. So that's also where my focus is. Let me see it. Show me what you can do. <laughs> Steven, what do you think? Any anything jump off the page uh, with these guys for you? No, I nailed it all. All right, moving on. <laughs> I honestly like back to Eichel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to say one more thing about that. Actually, about um, no, I honestly I think the thing for me is is the fact that Jeff Solomon came over and then Mike Stuthers came over, and um, Stuthers was the AHL coach for. Uh, the Kings, the Rain. Ontario Reign, thank you. Uh, when Stuther, uh, when Solomon was there, like I, I honestly wonder if we kind of already know who's going to be in charge next year. Like I, I'm not. It's really hard for me to look at this and not think that maybe what we're getting is because like Solomon asked to leave the Kings. He wanted a bigger opportunity, considering how clearly how well thought of he was. He was in that organization. He left for something legitimately bigger. And he's not going to the rival to just be another AGM. Like, I, I really do think there's a very, very good chance that this time next year, Stuthers is the, the head coach and Solomon is the GM. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's a very good chance that what we're looking at is just a transition year, a true blue transition year. I think, uh, you know, it allows saw uh murray and akins to kind of get one more year and you know maybe something crazy happens and they keep them but i I really think that there is every reason right now to think that next year uh you know especially with uh robin from jewels from the crown you know i was talking to her about stuthers and she was um telling me like he has a very similar um reputation to what akins did in the ahl where it's about helping these guys become better by like maturing and like being held accountable and like solving problems on their own. Like he's not like a mad scientist tinkerer type. He's more of a, a, a player's coach. You know what I mean? Like he coaches the guys and, and he wants them to 
to handle these things. And, you know, Jeff Ward coming in and changing the power play, like, it feels like, you know, because uh, he's going to come in and he's going to run a four forward, one D setup. It seems to be the rumor, which is exciting. And, like, just feels like it's a free year for him to see if he can get a hang of it with some of these young guys. And going into next year, maybe uh, the team feels they're in a better spot moving forward. Yeah. Like an evaluation year. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, hey, here it is. Like we're, we're well, gonna... almost like a preseason. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you guys hang out here. Here's here's what we have. You guys see what you have. See what you can kind of work in and see what we can do as we make that, you know, transition. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. I think for sure, uh, if you had to pick one that's more likely going to happen, I think Jeff Solomon becoming the, the GM. Um, it's starting to look more and more likely. If I had to pick one that's likely going to happen, I think that is. And that's exciting, honestly. Like, I know, Stephen, you were talking about Eric Tulski for a long time as a guy that you were uh, you know, wanting to become the next GM of the Ducks. We've talked about, uh, oh, God, why can't I remember his name? Uh, our other other AGM, he was head of pro scouting. Why can't I remember his name? Oh, uh, Martin Mark, Madden. Yeah, Martin Madden. Sorry, yeah, Martin Madden, we were talking about him. But now it just kind of seems like, yeah, Jeff Solomon wouldn't leave the Kings and to come here and not have a chance of being the GM, right? Like it just doesn't make sense. And I think bringing in Mike Stothers is, is maybe not grooming him for the head coach, but giving him another guy to look at. I think they're going to look at Dallas Aikens, depending on how his season goes. I think they're going to look at Stothers. I think they're going to look at some outside guys as well. And then this gives two guys in house for Solomon to potentially look at next year and say, okay, do I want to go with either of these guys? How do they do this year? Am I going to go look outside? And I'm sure you know two guys who will for sure get interviews if Solomon becomes the GM are going to be Aikens and Stothers, and then they'll figure out which direction they they kind of want to go from there. But uh, yeah, I, I would bet money on on Solomon being the next GM for the Ducks, which is exciting because I mean we've talked about you know his um, his impact with the Kings on on their analytics department and and how that could kind of look forward to to Anaheim and their, their non-existent analytics department right now and, and what that could potentially look like for, you know, player evaluation and, and everything like that in the future for them. So it's exciting. It's a, you know, we've talked about how, for how long we want a new direction, a clear direction from this team, a pivot away from the way Bob Murray does things. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think you, you get exactly what you want there by bringing in a guy like Jeff Solomon to take over from him. Um, so I, I mean, you know, I hope that happens. We got another season here of, of Aikens and Murray that we got to grind through, but, uh, you know, with Zegris and Drysdale and, and potentially Solomon coming in to be the GM, there's at least a, a, a direction here. Yeah, Just I, had a thought. Sorry. Real quick thought. They fire Bob Murray midseason. He comes in, immediately makes a trade for Jack Eichel, and he looks like a savior. Jeff Solomon? There it is. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I love, I love it. There it is. That's he how trades it all of the Kings prospects, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Goes, oh, you can have all their guys. They said it's yeah, fun. Yeah, no, no, no. They said it's cool. i uh you know it's interesting too because like like you said with the tolski coming in like you know that was always my guy because he was a guy who had a reputation for for really building and and overseeing strong analytics departments and that's what solomon's doing this year like like i don't know man i don't know if, if i really am just like uh you know charlie at the at the board with all the red string just making stuff up but like um i really do i i really do feel like I'm starting to just see this almost as a guaranteed transition year and a learning year for a couple of people. And next year, we kind of already know who's going to be in charge. Um, I'm kind of talking myself into that being kind of the plan the whole time now. Who's so Charlie in front of a board with red strings. Is it uh, from uh, shit, why can't I think of it? 
I don't know because you lost the me the second. Freaking Philly that. show! That stupid Philly show that Pat likes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's always sunny in Philly. Yeah. You couldn't yeah. think of that. You said Philly a whole bunch of times that you couldn't think of. It's, I always, sunny. it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, whatever. Uh, okay, I yeah. <laughs> whatever. I don't watch that show. I don't care. Okay, well, keep making references about shows you don't watch. Oh, it's a meme show. <laughs> All right, we, we got a, a few more things here to wrap up the show I wanted to talk about. Uh, I was going to look at the Ducks looking to re-sign Josh Manson, but I feel like we could probably ramble on about that for 20 minutes, so maybe we save that for an upcoming show. I know we're probably going to get on and, and talk. Uh... I've never felt so fucking dissed in my life. <laughs> One of us is going to spend 30 minutes talking about why it's a great idea. Steven. <laughs> I, I know we're going to get on and talk Eichel again whenever Pat's available to do a show, so we're going to have another show relatively soon to get Pat back on and talk yeah. Eichel, so I think we should yeah. save the Josh. But he's talking to Booses and Booses yeah. and Beases. Yeah, so we'll we'll get back on to talk the, the Manson stuff yeah. there. Um, I don't We can make note of it. Like We did a live stream of it, but the Ducks won third overall in the, in the draft lottery, which was like a month ago. We've already kind of... Vaguely mentioned that uh, in in trade talks for Jack Eichel, so I don't need, think we need to hit about that. But I, I guess the last thing I want to touch on is the playoffs. You know, that's kind of what's been going on lately and what we've been watching. And obviously, Corey Perry making back to back Stanley Cup Finals, Dallas last year and Montreal this year. He yeah, seems. I know what Steven's gonna he's say. He's the key to the dark horse teams. Like nobody thought Dallas would make the Stanley Cup final. And then they made it, and nobody thought Montreal would make the Stanley Cup final. And they made it, and I guess Corey Perry is the the key piece to this, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Whatever team he goes to, except the Ducks, does well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you gotta get Pat Maroon. He just leaves, goes to St. Louis. St. Louis, no one thought St. Louis was gonna do what they did. Sure enough, wins the Stanley Cup. Yeah, then he goes over to Tampa Bay. They, I mean, they were probably favorites, but he goes over there, wins the Stanley Cup. And now he's back on Tampa Bay, and for a third year in a row, he's back in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. The know. key, the key note here is that leave Anaheim, and you will have success. Yeah. Somebody tell Ryan Getzlaff. <laughs> well, Ryan Getzlaff was going to go to Vegas. Maybe that's what would tip him over the spot. Uh, yeah, that would have tipped yeah. it. Oh man, what a what a what a oh, series that would have been. Played against Perry. Yeah, Getzlaff oh. versus Perry. Oh man. I I do I would hate to see it, but also love to see it. You know what I mean? Like that would have just made that, that so fun for Ducks fans, and like so painful at the same. time. I don't time. know how I don't know how that would play out. That would be so entertaining, though. Like the the oh, impact. Do that... they get mad at each other? Are they oh, dicks do they to fight? each other? Oh, hundred percent they are. A hundred percent they are. <laughs> but like a uh, tongue in cheek because of the twins. Oh man! Did you guys see dude. Perry steal Marshall stick? <laughs> the best shit in the world, dude. Reminding me of the the semen. Does that stuff, I love it. Mad. Even if he does it to us, like at some point later, if he does it to us. I was just like, there it is. It's just such a Corey cool, Perry man. moment, it's right? Cool, like, crazy. there's there's the other thing. Like, go ahead, Steven. I was saying, like, Marcus, I was like five six, and Corey Perry's, you know, six three, oh, old man. Like, yeah. that's slight payback for like the the missed high stick he just though. Grabs a stick and throws it because he he got high stick by Marshall the game before that didn't get called. That's that's some. Small oh, that was payback. the one where he busted his yeah. face. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that play that that play specifically reminds me. Uh, obviously, the the play where he skated by Seven when Seven, Seven. was sitting on the bench and just yanked yeah, his stick away. There, uh, there was a time in the playoffs <laughs> against Hosa where he just held on to Hosa's stick and the Hosa let go and then just dropped it on the ice. And then uh, the Jeff Carter, yeah, I put yeah, water in Jeff Carter's glove. Versus, yep. <laughs> there's so there's so many moments. Yeah, like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? I, <laughs> I'm so 
I, it's just ultimate I've never shit felt so be. vindicated about loving someone in my entire life. Dude. <laughs> oh, like, there's nothing wrong with the play. Be like, it's not illegal, but it's just like it's like take it's shithousery well, taken to well, another level. Just a prick. He's a total prick. It's illegal, but it's just yeah. so quick and nonchalant about it, and it's just like <laughs> it only pisses off that one person. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It pisses off that one person because and he does too because he does like look around like oh what the fuck and, it's like, like, and then he's like I gotta grab his jersey and tell him how <laughs> bad I am. <laughs> That's so what he wants, and, and I mean, like, I to I be it. fair, like he <laughs> he has. To be fair, outside of that and and being a veteran for that team, like he's done fairly well. Like, he has eight points in the playoffs so far, which is kind of near the tops of that team. Like he he has kind of gotten it all done for them this year, and you know he was brought in, I think, for two things: to be a veteran presence and to potentially be a guy in the playoffs for them. And playoff pairing, yeah, and, and he's. Done it all, and he did that for Dallas last year. Maybe not to the same extent, but he was a veteran guy for them, and he chipped in every now and then. I, I thought he did that. I thought he did a good job in the playoffs yeah. too for yeah. uh, Dallas. I think his playoffs. It, you he's bring doing him in what the playoffs. Wayne Simmons yeah. do. It, it just it's just working. He's, he's become difference. that guy. Like every every generation has a few of those guys where, like, every year they find a new Swap team and they become they just become that playoff guy that every team wants to add and. You know, it's not just because of him they get, but he just finds a way to go deep in the playoffs with whatever team he's on, and he seems to be yeah, that guy. It's a, okay, it's your Claude Lemieux, it's your uh, Justin Williams, your Game Seven dude. I've got a great and Perry. Anyways. I have a great theory, guys. Here's what happens. Uh huh. So, yes. Corey Perry is actually the new Marion Hosa. So Montreal <laughs> loses to Tampa Bay. Then goes to Tampa. No, then Anaheim trades for Jack Eichel, signs Perry in the offseason, and we win the cup next against year. Against Tampa Guys, Bay. I figured it out. Let's go. <laughs> against Tampa Bay. No, it'd be complete Mary. Oh, it would be no, complete. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. I was going to say it'd be complete Marion Hosa if he Montreal. lost to Tampa and then signed for and Tampa. Then, right and Tampa, it was Tampa Montreal. Well, I guess Tampa it wouldn't won. be Tampa Montreal next year. And then but, Montreal yeah. wins. But yeah. yeah. Nope, that's what it is. But My he, God, is that far-fetched? He's reviving. Let's make it happen. I got, I'm got. i calling it now, guys. Guaranteed. Lock. I would bring him back. I don't Lock. care. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to play. I, 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 I would like him. If, play 5D checkers and it's a chess game. You're about to lose. You know, the, the crazy thing is like he's reviving his image as a player, right? Like He left Anaheim. We're like, okay, his best years are behind him. Like This guy's done. There's no way he's going to be... Still true. All of this is still true. But he's yeah. just found the right role for this point in his career. Like the Ducks were still trying to use him yes. as a top six forward and went before he left and then they bought him out. There's just no way we could pay him six or seven million no. dollars to be that playoff but guy. So it's like we got screwed. He's, I'm not gonna relitigate this screwed. because yeah. we just dragged podcast. He's gracefully found he's gracefully found his role at this point in okay. his career, which is great to see. And and I think, you know, whether it's a few more years left for him or whatever, like I think every team kind of knows the role he fits now and he's become a valuable player for what he does i i think now which is especially at the price point he's yeah at. and i think whether he goes back to montreal or not at the end of the season there are going to be a long list of competitive playoff teams that are going to be interested in bringing him in i think he honestly will probably go back to montreal or maybe look at toronto or something you know it's toronto or montreal i, I he's living in canada now yeah, I think the only exception would maybe to be come back here to retire as a duck if he wanted one last season. But if he doesn't win the cup this year, uh, he's going to want another shot. And I think it's Toronto and Montreal. And I think he's really 
made a bond with some of the players in Montreal on this run. I think he fits for for what they want to do. And you know, they're a young team, but also a team who's it's Cole Caulfield's big yeah, brother. Dude. They're they're, they're yeah. in a small window here, so everyone's big brother to Cole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally everybody in the league uh, is I'm a big to, brother. I'm trying to find a little brother on uh, Montreal yeah. <laughs> to Cole Caulfield. But yeah, it, it the, the playoffs have been exciting for the fact that Montreal has made this kind of destiny run. Like Tampa hasn't steamrolled everybody, but they're a team we fully expected to be here. It they took a unique and difficult route to get here, but this was expected. What, what, what unique difficult route did they take? Well, like they didn't. They were touted as like Florida a, was hot coming yeah. in. Yeah, they, they weren't even. Uh, they didn't have home ice in uh, against Florida. Yeah, uh, Florida. Florida's a good team, but they lacked goaltending until night. What do you, uh, they Florida, lacked, Carolina, uh, New York. Like, that's that's a tough yeah, gauntlet to run. Not, that's not an easy that's gauntlet. Not, that's not that. I'm not saying it's not difficult, but, like, there's nothing special about that. Like, they had, like, the most playoff run of anybody. It's like, oh. Toronto went I'm, I'm saying they, they didn't steamroll the everybody. Montreal had to beat. Uh, yeah, because they played three good teams in a row. That's what happened. No, I know, but I, I, I'm saying, like, Dude. they – we expected them to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They did. But they made it there in maybe a little bit longer fashion than I think a lot of people would have thought. Like you, they are by uh, far, I think, the best roster in this league for a reason. Defending Stanley Cup champions. They what went through six yeah. games against Florida. Did How many games did they play against Carolina? Did they sweep them? I don't think they've lost a back-to-back game this uh, postseason. Did they sweep Carolina or no? No, no, no. no. Uh, Carolina went six, six, I think. So six and six, and then seven against the Islanders, and a really, really, probably one of the best excellent executions I ever game seven I've seen. That one nothing win over the Islanders, that was uh, shorthanded. Yeah, was the winner. An, an unbelievable oh. game by them. But uh, again, they look like a juggernaut. But then, uh, meanwhile, on the other side, you've got a you've got a two Eastern Conference teams, something we'll never see again, likely, unless we have another situation like this. And you've got this underdog team. That somehow scrapes their way to the Stanley Cup Finals. They beat the second best team in the regular season in the playoffs to get there. It, you know, we we have this every you know three or four years. We had what uh, the Devils and the Kings that one year. We had the Rangers and the Kings when uh, they kind of came out of nowhere and made it to the finals. I think what was it Philly that one year? They were like ranked seventh and they made it to the finals against Philly Rock Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Like that was when they came back down from 3-0 against Boston. Yeah. Man. That, That's when we traded Prague. Every now and then you kind of have these teams. Damn. But they ultimately they ultimately don't so end up winning, fun. right? Like they, they get that far and they just come against this team that's actually touted as a Stanley Cup contender and it's just that's a bit None of them much. had Carey Price. Yeah, I, uh, but but <laughs> well, one of them had Mart- Martin yeah, Broder. So Who? One of them had Broder. Oh, the guy from St. Louis? No. I hate you. <laughs> but the CEO of Enterprise, right? Yeah, right. What what do you, what do you give Montreal shots of actually getting this done? Like a percentage? Well, do, do, Two out of do you five? think they get it done? Yeah. Like if you do this, if you play thirty-five guys, like if you do this series five times, I say they win two of them. Yeah. Yeah, because it's fucking hockey, dude. Like the odds are never better than sixty forty. Like who would you pick right now then? Tampa Bay or Montreal? Oh, I think Tampa Bay is going to do yeah. it. But if if, but if I, I've picked everybody against Montreal, so yeah, <laughs> so, so that's the, that's the only thing that just like, like sticks to me. Like, uh, do I do it again? As do far? I go over four on that one? Because I would also pick Tampa Bay uh, every time, and they made it. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's true. Oh. Um, but it's hard. I I 
God, the the only only thing that makes me think Tampa Bay might struggle a little bit is how much f and hockey they've had to play lately. Yep. Also, if Kucherov is actually injured and was just making his appearance for Game Seven after getting that cross check in the back, if he's actually around and playing, I've got I've got a hundred percent faith in Vasilevsky doing what he does best, uh, and also Carey Price. So then, if I think those are my top two goalies in the NHL from a just pure goalie, I mean, just anyone could say those are the top two goalies in the league. Um, it comes down to, to defense, will, and offense. I just think Tampa Bay's got all of that. And the only thing Montreal has is the unknown factor. Yep. And that unknown factor could be big or it could be small. Yep. But I've just got to lean on what I know. And uh, what I know is Tampa Bay's really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I saw Jay will appreciate this. I saw a stat the other day. Um, so it was uh, Carey Price has given up. 13 goals on 17 expected goals. And like Vasilevsky has given up 11 goals on 19 expected goals. So it's like as legitimately MVP caliber as, as, as Carey Price is being in this postseason, Vasilevsky is being just as good. Vasilevsky is incredible. Now, Vasilevsky's here. Yeah. Carey Price is here. The rest of the league is like right in here. Vasilevsky got a shutout in Game Seven, and I feel like nobody talked about and it. And Game Five, follow, following a yeah. loss, the dude yep. has not lost back-to-back games, and he's got like five shutouts in the last fifteen back-to-back games in the playoffs where he's I've, lost. I mean, the dude is just and nobody talks about so it because Tampa is focused. so good. Tampa's so good, so nobody talks about the fact that Vasilevsky have done that. If that was Price doing that for Montreal against Vegas. And what he did against Vegas. That's what we're hearing about. Next year. What what Montreal doesn't have is Braden Point uh, scoring in literally every (laughs) playoff game ever in the history of mankind. Except the last. And basically having Steven Samkos as a depth depth forward for them, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Steven Samkos is playing on a line with Anthony Sorelli, and as good as Anthony Sorelli is, um, the people I know who root for Tampa Bay are like, yeah, he's a high end two way center. Like, he is Mm -hmm. a legitimate Selkie guy going forward and i'm like oh yeah no let's just take uh the guy we thought was going to be our number one center forever uh and put him on his wing and you're like yeah sure why not that's if you're kevin shankirk how much does this suck right shit. now <laughs> like you, you didn't go back to tampa you just cash in all well, the money you know what it's so funny too because he, like, he got his us. ring so it's I okay say, how many how many people like can say that like they left florida or they left their old team for Anaheim and it was a lateral like weather move. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I would take California over Florida every time, but if you're from, you know, Eddie land where it's just cold and frozen, like you live in an ice box. Um, I don't think there's a huge difference. I think you're fine either way. This, and I just think that very, does funny. Stevie Y deserve a ring for this? If they win again, just a complimentary ring. He absolutely deserved it last year, for sure. <laughs> I mean, this year, I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think. I don't think they give it to him. No, they won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Guys. They're gonna know. fucking. They're gonna call him up and prank call him. Hey, How's things going in Detroit? Ring. <laughs> it's gonna be like a ring pop. Oh, shit! It's eighty-three out here. What is it there? Oh no! Wait. It's really hot up there, isn't it? Where does this put? What the fuck uh, is a Moritz cider? Where does this put Tampa if they win? 
as back-to-back cup contenders. Where does this put them in conversation with some of the other dynasties we've had recently, like Chicago and L.A. specifically? Like, two in a row, obviously two. Like, there's gonna people are going to put asterisks beside both of these, probably. 100%. <laughs> but 100%. but they, they are a super team. Like, it's not – there's no question about it. They're, I think, by far the best team That's... in this league on paper. That's fine, but they got two different things going for them. One is the bubble last year. One is a shortened season this year that also helps them maybe not be so worn out, like doing 82 games, 82 well, games. The fact that Stamkos and Kucherov played like 30 games in the regular yeah. season each. So. Yeah, well, I mean, no, no, that's the third factor. The third factor is they were able to play the system, so now they are $18 million over the cap and bringing in these guys that didn't play all season that would have – they would have had to move guys out. They tried to get rid of Tyler Johnson. They couldn't do it. So they kept him, keep Kucherov, and then, wow, he's ready to go first day of the playoffs. I mean, it's just – there's so many asterisks there that just go like – it just feels dirty to just call him the greatest because they put in a roster that should not have been able to be under a salary cap. Yeah. Second thing is taxes in Florida are nothing, so most players will try and go to Florida and sign for less just as if they signed in another state or country and had to pay more in taxes, they would have to sign for more for it to make the same amount in their bankroll. So if we're talking, that's why you're Stamkos. If we're talking recent dynasties, I think Chicago tops the list. I think behind that is Pittsburgh team who won back to back. And I think Tampa's Tampa's, if they win are getting in that conversation with the, the Kings team who won two and three. Um, and then obviously it all depends on. I think they really cemented if obviously they win this year, they come out in a full regular 82 game season next year and do the same thing. Like a three peat puts them right up there, I think, maybe above the Chicago team. But the problem is, like like you said, Jay, people are always going to have asterisks beside these two championships for the, the Bulls. Dude, Tampa Bay's not going to give a shit. No they're not going to care. I, no I wouldn't asterisks. put them beside it either, you know, but. I wouldn't put asterisks, but Everybody I would say it's it's a button. unique. I have no patience for this asterisk. No, but if we're if we're comparing <laughs> dynasty teams, I think so, I, I don't okay. say the championships don't count for Tampa Bay. But I, if I'm gonna if I'm going to compare them to other dynasties and what they had to go through, I'm gonna put a couple other teams in front of them. Why, why is he so high in the background? I, I don't know. Dog barking. It's just like I just think that's that's just so dumb to me because every team every season plays under the same situations. Some teams get lucky and don't have injuries. Some teams get fucked and have injuries. Some teams have idiots get suspended. Some teams have guys who should have been suspended playing forever. Like all of these weird things happen. Like I don't. As long as everybody's playing by the same rules in the same league, I don't have any problem with saying that Tampa Bay is definitively one of the best teams of the last 10 years, especially since we have the proof of concept that they have been one of the best teams of the last 10 years. In my mind, they are they are up there with Boston, who I would put ahead of L.A., in quality of team over a significant amount of time. I think Chicago is at the top. I think Pittsburgh is at the top. But beyond those two, I think what Tampa Bay has done over the last... I don't know, six, seven years, like when they've had that whole run with, uh, I mean, shit, Duncan Keith said it himself at the end of the Stanley Cup that they won. He was like, they're going to be the next us. Like, these guys are incredible. And, like, he hasn't, he wasn't really wrong. And, like, I don't, 
I don't think it matters that the two that they want are the COVID cups. Like, who gives a shit? Somebody else could have won them, and I'd feel the same way. Like, I, you know, I just think it's dumb. Like, everybody had the same rules. I think Tampa Bay is definitively one of the best teams in the last 10 this years. This all takes a hit if Montreal wins. <laughs> then, then I don't know if we're talking about this or not. No, it doesn't, because I think if Montreal wins, that for me personally, I've just decided what this means is that momentum is real, and everybody who says it's not can shut the fuck up. Right. Because but I mean, we're, I 100 percent believe in momentum, and I think that this whole Montreal run proves. I, I no, I I agree with that 100. percent But if like again, we're comparing with Chicago, with Pittsburgh, with LA, all of them came up against teams like this. You know, uh, Chicago came up against Philly, who reverse swept the uh, Boston Bruins to get there. They overcame mm-hmm. them. They stopped the momentum. Whatever they beat them, the, the Kings did the same thing twice. Coming up against the Devils and the Rangers who are on run, you know, dynasty or destiny runs of their own. I think if you want to be in that conversation, you've, you've got to beat them. You've got to beat everybody. You've, you, you know, if you want to be a dynasty team, you've got to overcome it. And every year there's going to be a team opposite of you who is either going to be just as good of you or a team like Montreal, who's just on this ridiculous run. They built up all this momentum. Nobody believed in them. They made it to the Stanley Cup final. And I think, you know, no matter what, Tampa's a great team. But if we're going to compare them to Chicago and L.A. and Pittsburgh, who they all about, became that. That's why I'm putting them, I think, with Boston, Like, right? Because Boston won one against Vancouver, and then they lost one against St. Louis, yeah. who had the magic run. And you know what I mean? Like, But I just think, like, I loved, to whatever extent that I can because obviously burn it all to the ground. But, like, I loved those Kings teams. Like, I was a huge Mike Richards fan, right? Like, I loved Drew Doughty. He's been – he's one of the my favorite players, uh, you know, of, like, my adulthood, like, watching play. Like, he, I just enjoy the shit out of him. Um, but, like, I would rather – I think legitimately think there's a legitimate argument that you would rather have the Boston or Tampa Bay rosters, and there's only one cup amongst them but they have just as many finals appearances, yep. you know, and I, you know, I just like, I get that you can't put them with Chicago. You can't necessarily put them with Pittsburgh. Um, I think it would be even hard maybe to put them up there with Washington. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> but like that feels where they're at, right? That's where they are they're now. Washington, Boston. Yep. They have to win the second like... to, to create some space there. And then obviously if they three Peter three and four, that's where you start putting them in the Chicago Pittsburgh territory where they're just right. that unreal dominant team winning, you know, the majority of the championships over a five year span. Right. I just like I, I you know, I think this Tampa like as like I said, as much as those those boss uh those uh Kings teams rock, like I you know uh <laughs> I'll fucking take uh, Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point over uh Dustin Brown and Jared Stoll. Um, like, you know, if Pat were here, know. he'd be telling us that Braden Point is better than Jack Eichel. But uh, <laughs> that's why he's not here. But, I mean, that might not be wrong at this point, unfortunately. But don't tell him I said nah, that. I'm not going to base we're it gonna on the play. It's fine. We're just going to cut this whole thing. Uh, yeah, 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 we yeah, lost exactly. a lot of people yeah, when you said you liked Drew Doughty. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, F- yeah. let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. We're going to hop on again, hopefully, in the next week or so here uh, with Pat and all the rest of us here to kind of revisit the cycle stuff. Uh, go into the Josh Manson conversation we talked about, and, and hopefully there's some some more news to, to talk about as well. We have uh, eventually our um, Seattle expansion draft recap, or probably not recap, preview 
to go into that we'll have to record as well as an, another uh, another draft preview that we'll get into as well. And Stephen, you recorded like you just mentioned a interview with Sierra from Pucks of the Feather. You guys basically did what we did, right? Chatted about kind of all the the latest news. Yeah, it was like kind of a mailbag, but like not really. But like there were no definitely such a mail. Yeah, because you know we had like three <laughs> questions, and all of them were about why is Eddie the most handsome member of the group? Is he? Oh yeah. If you if you oh. ask Dave and we, Shane, that was my three questions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, we got some. We got a couple of questions that helped, but we really did just kind of you know use them more as just like a baseline of how to talk about some stuff. So like we talked about some Eichel stuff. We talked a little bit more about the draft, about players maybe Anaheim might be interested in, um, stuff like that. Um, so uh, we'll have that up soon. So. I have no idea if it'll be up before or after this, but it'll be up soon. Yeah, we'll have that out soon. Probably before this. Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're going to have a lot of episodes later. This is this is the return. <laughs> so no, no, one, no more one-month hiatus from the show. Um, this will come out. Like I said, we got another one planned with the four of us coming up, plus all those previews of the expansion draft and the draft and then recaps and free agency. Everything's kind of starting to come together here as we approach July where all these kind of big dates are going to come you know, pretty pretty fast and furious with uh, the expansion draft, I think, just a couple days apart from the draft and then free agency literally coming a couple days after that. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to get crazy here. And then obviously if the cycle stuff ends up happening, we're going to have all that to talk about. So it's going to be an, an exciting summer potentially for the Ducks or an ex- a summer of disappointment, which is like every summer. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what, we'll see which one we get. Uh, no matter, no matter what, we'll have uh, a lot to talk about. We're planning some interviews and stuff. So apologies for anybody who, again, wanted to listen to this show live. I'm going to work on the, uh, the live stream stuff. It's been a while. So we'll see what kind of the issue was there and, and, uh, and fix it up there. But uh, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, it's fun to be back and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, Bye guys. Enjoy a miserable summer.